The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. to get into the word this morning. Now we've been in a series I mentioned before. That series was going to conclude today. I wanted to pause that and conclude it next week. But I wanted to stop because there's an element in the series that we've touched on briefly as we've gone through it. And I think it's important for us to talk about it. I want to get into the word this morning and I want to share with you a few things that we're going to find. If you're taking notes, you can jot these things down. By the way, next week I do want to conclude this, and I'm really excited about that. I want to encourage you to get excited too. Uh, it's going to be a very uh, uh, life-changing moment, I know, for me and I hope for all of us. But as for this week, I'm trusting God to do something great for each one of us as it concerns uh, our memory. And I want to give you a few things that we're going to look forward to here. One, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. What we need to do to be productive. What we need to do to be pr- Productive. Now, you could go to any bookstore or library, and they've got entire sections devoted to text and teachings on how to be more productive. You can go online, and you can find all sorts of life hacks. That's kind of the latest thing, life hack. What we need to do to be more productive, we're going to find that out in the Scripture. If we put it to practice, we're going to be productive. We're going to see great things. Another thing that we're going to find is why Jesus set you free. Why Jesus set you free. I think it's important to know why. I know that Jesus has liberated me from just horrible bondage and affliction. There were times where I absolutely hated my life. I mean, I really hated my life to the point that I didn't care that I was destroying it. It didn't bother me one bit. In fact, the sooner the better. But now I know that I've been liberated from those things. I don't feel the same way. I love my life. I'm excited to live. And there's so many great things every single day that I used to just take for granted that now I see and notice and they mean so much to me. I know he set me free, but I think it's important for us to know why he did it. Why would God set us free? There's a point behind it. There's a purpose behind it. We're going to find it as we get into the Word together. And then a third thing we're going to find is what the Holy Spirit does. What the Holy Spirit does. We can come into a church service and celebrate the fact that God is present and near. There's a reason and a purpose for the Holy Spirit being in my life and in your life. We're going to find out what that is. So I want to get into the scripture here. Now the series, excuse me, had been seven steps to love. We'd done step six last week, and this was going to be that seventh step. It was going to be love this week. We'll move that to next week, but we're going to find our foundation in the same passage of scripture here. So if you're willing, turn in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 1. That's where we're going to be reading some text out of. We're going to find our foundation for the message today. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1 I want to begin reading in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who received a faith the same kind as ours, through righteousness, the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, seeing that his divine power has given us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness through him who called us to his glory and excellence. By these things he's granted to us precious and magnificent promises, so that by them you, I think it's important that you catch that, you, this is about you, may become partakers in the divine nature and escape the corruption that's in this world. 
That's an amazing thing to consider. I know it's a lot to read, but God's doing a great work in your life so that you can become more and more like him. Now, we read in the scripture in the beginning, God made you in his image and after his likeness. We see here now in 2 Peter that this is a process that's going on right here and right now. As we continue to read, we find this. Now, for this reason, apply in all diligence. Apply these things to your faith. Supply moral excellence. And in moral excellence, knowledge. In knowledge, self-control. In self-control, perseverance. In perseverance, godliness. And in godliness, brotherly kindness. And in brotherly kindness, love. Now, those were those seven things that we've been breaking down over the past seven weeks. We'll finish that up next week as we talk about love. But now, here's where I want us to take a look at things for this week as we consider Memorial Day being upon us just tomorrow. Verse 8 reads like this, If these qualities are yours and are increasing, you will always be productive and always be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now verse 9, Now the one who lacks these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from former sins. Therefore, be diligent and make certain about his calling and choosing you. As long as you practice these things, you'll never stumble. And in this is entrance into the kingdom of God. It's a wonderful thing that we just read there, but I want to make sure that we understand it so that it can become a reality in our lives. There's something that I want us to catch. Those things, that moral excellence, which is important, and that heavenly knowledge, which is valuable, the patience and the perseverance, the brotherly kindness and the godliness and the love and all of those things, they're meant to be things that are active in our life and increasing. And according to what we just read there, it says if those things aren't active and aren't increasing, it means something has happened. It means we've become blind or short-sighted and forgotten our purification from sins. That's what it says there. I'll read it again. The one who's lacking these qualities is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten his purification from his former sins. Now, I want to stop there because it's important for me to identify something here. In order to forget your purification from former sins, you would have to have once been purified from sins. So this is for Christians and believers. It's for me and for you. It's for people who have celebrated that God's forgiven us of our sins, that he's washed our dead away that we've accepted this wonderful gift, this manifestation of God's love for us in Jesus Christ. But if we're not careful as we live out our lives as Christians, if we're not seeing to it that we're becoming more morally excellent, that we're growing in the knowledge of God, that we're becoming more and more controlled by ourselves, self-control, and not by outside influences, by other people or other things, other problems. If we can become... Uh, persevering, meaning we endure through trial and tribulation and hardship, meaning that we don't quit, we keep pushing. If we can continue to pursue and seek after godliness, meaning I want to know who He is so I can be like Him. And then if we continue to pursue brotherly kindness, that means liking each other. That can be hard sometimes. Some of you may think the person sitting next to you is hard to like. But we've got to. We've got to come to a place where we can function and operate in brotherly kindness, and that's important. And then love. Love's going to be the ultimate. That's the, the final thing there that we need to continue to flourish in. The reason why that would be where things end is because that is the finish line. 
That's where all fear stops, all anxiety stops, and it's fear and anxiety that lead to compromised decisions and choices, sin and corruption. And when we can function in love, we can function in absolute victory. Now, as believers, these things are supposed to be thriving in our lives. And the Word says that if we find that these things aren't thriving, if we find that they're missing or maybe they're diminishing, where instead of getting better in these things, we're getting worse, we become blind or short-sighted. We've forgotten our purification of former sins. That blindness is interesting to me. I looked it up in the Hebrew in the, or in the Greek, excuse me, in the concordance, and you can find that it means a blindness. It can mean physical or it can mean mental. It means you can't see it or you're not aware of it. And then that short-sightedness, that short-sightedness is really interesting to consider. It means you can only see it if it's right in your face. It means that there's trouble seeing the big picture. There's trouble seeing beyond what's happening right now. And that's really problematic. Because we are handed situations that are hard to deal with. We're around other people. Conflict can arise. And if we can't see past the conflict, if all we can see is what's right in front of us, then that's all we're going to know and it's all we're going to react to. That means a fight is on. But God's called us to see way past that. To have vision that sees a big picture. A big picture of prosperity and health and all of our relationships and all of our fellowship and our marriages and our families. To be able to see the big picture. And in order to see the big picture, in order to stay aware, in order to not become blind, we can't afford to forget that we've been forgiven, that God's done something great. So now here's the point, and here's where I want to build off of this. What's the opposite of forgetting? Remembering. We're stepping into Memorial Day, and that call is to take the time to pause, to remember. And we see how important it is to remember where we're reading right here that if we don't remember that Jesus has done something great for us, if we don't remember that He's washed us and He's purified us, if we don't remember that we're not the same as we used to be, then we'll slowly begin to do the same things we used to. And then we're no different than we were from the very start. But we've got to remember It's important for us to remember. I personally believe that's why when he took the bread, just like we had communion a moment ago, he said, do this in remembrance of me. That's his way of emphasizing priority one. Hey, listen, guys, I'm going to do a great work, but hey, don't forget to remember. Because the moment you forget to remember, this all starts working backwards. And I've called you to move forward. I've called you to grow in moral excellence. I've called you to grow in the knowledge of God. I've called you to grow in self-control. I've called you to grow in perseverance. I've called you to grow in brotherly kindness and godliness. And I've called you to grow in love. But in order for that to happen, you're going to have to do this. Just remember. Remember. Remember forgiveness. Remember grace. Remember mercy. Remember that you were once in chains and in bondage. Remember once that though you hated your life, there was nothing you could do about it. And that all changed. Don't forget that. And when we remember the things that Jesus has done for us, it should do something in us. It should alter the way that we respond 
when people do things in our lives that we don't like. I used to do things that he didn't like. And he didn't respond by thumping me. I used to do things that he didn't like and he didn't respond by cursing me. I used to do things that he didn't like and he didn't respond with vengeance and violence. He responded with grace and with mercy. And he's called me and he's called you to do the same thing. Jesus said this, and when he said it, he was speaking to every single Christian. Freely as you've been given these things, go and freely give them. You and I are called to be givers of moral excellence. We're not called to take people's innocence and compromise those things. We're called to give moral excellence. We're called to be givers of heavenly knowledge. We don't just store it up for our own credentials to gain authority and power and, and to treat people like garbage because we're hot shots in the church. We're called to share it and to give it to help make people's lives better. We're called to be givers with our self-control, to be able to step into situations where there's conflict and bring peace. Do you realize Jesus stood in the middle of a storm and said, shh, peace, and the whole storm stopped. You've got that same authority. It doesn't have to be raining and lightning and thundering to be a storm. The moment there's a conflict between people, that's a storm. And we can step in and bring peace. We're called to be givers of perseverance. Man, there are people around us that are barely hanging on. But we can stand with them and we can say, listen, no matter what, I'm not leaving your side. You keep moving and I'm going to keep moving with you. Just don't give up. Just don't give up. We're called to be givers of godliness. To see and know the way and the methods behind how God functions in His love and His affection. He's always just. And we can do the same. Now that one might be tough and I don't want to chase rabbits here and get off track. But I can tell you personally that one has been applied more in raising my children than in any other aspect of my life. Because it would be so tempting to give in and just spoil them. But I know that's not how God loves. God wants you growing straight. He wants you growing strong. And if I were to give in to the low road and the easy way to deal with this, you would grow up soft and spoiled. So I want to love you with the love of a perfectly, a perfectly distributed love of a heavenly father. I want to bring godliness and give it. And of course, love. We're called to be givers of love. And I love that because I think the church oftentimes has been set up to be a place where we receive love from God. But the point of receiving love from God is so that we can go and give out God's love everywhere we go. And all of this, growing in these things, giving these things, is all dependent upon us remembering what Jesus did. Every day for us is meant to be a memorial day. To wake up in the morning and to greet the sunrise with the awareness that I would be nothing without Jesus Christ. His grace and His mercy is the model for my living today. His affection and His kindness is the model for my living today. His faithfulness and His steadfastness is the model for my living today. 
when we remember. We don't become blind. We don't become short-sighted. When we remember, we can see the big picture. And when all of those little problems come and try to distract us from the big picture, we're able to keep our eyes fixed that there's something after this. This is a distraction. And my life is meant to be focused on the finish line, which is greatness, success, the fullness of God's kingdom and all of its splendor, which is righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Spirit according to the Scripture. And man, I would love for all of us just to thrive in righteousness and joy and peace. It's what I want for my life. It's what I want for my house. And all of these things are right there. But if we begin to forget, well, I was born again a long time ago. I went down to the front, the pastor preached, I became a Christian. And then that becomes the extent. We're no longer giving our lives to getting better and stronger in moral excellence and in knowledge and self-control and perseverance and godliness and brotherly kindness and love. If it doesn't continue to grow in us, then it just diminishes. We've got to remember. We've got to remember. Now, I told you before in your notes that we were going to find why Jesus set us free. I want to give you a passage of Scripture here. Now, the, the next Scriptures that we're going to read are for this purpose, to help us remember. To help us remember things that you might want to quote when you wake up in the morning, just to remind yourself. And if we can remember, we can prosper. If we can remember according to what we read there in 2 Peter, we can always be productive. We can never fail. And we'll have entrance into the kingdom of God. If we can just remember what Jesus has done for us. So here's a few things that Jesus has done for us. I mentioned before you're going to find out why he set you free. If you're taking notes, feel free to write it down. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1. Why Jesus set you free. Galatians 5.1, it reads like this. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. I want to pause there. We're going to read the rest of it in just a moment. But I love that it's simple, that it's not complicated. It doesn't involve breaking any kind of Bible code or going to any other reference manuals. It's just simple. It is for freedom that Jesus set us free. So if someone were to ask you today after the service, hey, why did Jesus set you free? What would your answer be? For freedom. He did it so that I could be free. He did it so that I wouldn't be a slave to sin. So that I wouldn't be a slave to addiction and the bondage that comes with it. He did it so that I could be free. So that I could make choices on my own. He did it so that I could choose to follow after Him freely. I'm under no obligation to follow Jesus Christ. But yet my heart is given to because of all that He's done. And as long as I can remember that, then it won't be difficult to follow His instruction, even when it's hard to do it. It's for freedom that Jesus set us free. Now here's the rest of this passage. It was for freedom that Jesus Christ set you free. Therefore, can you say therefore? I like this. Anytime you see a therefore, see what it's there for. You got a cause and effect here. You got a reason. Jesus has set you free for freedom. Now we need to make sure that this happens. Therefore, keep standing firm 
And don't become subject again to the yoke of slavery. That word again is powerful. That means everything that Jesus has set us free from in our past. All of the affliction, all of the bondage, and all of the captivity could enter right back into our lives. Now, I know that's not a popular message to preach in a church, but I can tell you this. It lines up with everything I've seen in my life. I remember the day I was set free from serious addiction. I remember the moment that I had an opportunity to step right back into it. It wasn't even 24 hours since I'd been born again. I knew I was born again. I felt different. I thought different. Everything was different. But then as soon as I stepped back out into the world, everything that once held me in bondage was within arm's reach. Everything that held me in captivity was right there available. And I had a choice. Am I going to step right back into that? Am I going to become a slave again? Or am I going to know freedom? It's for freedom that Jesus set us free. Now I want to just say this. I know that as Jesus has done a work in our lives, it's for the forgiveness of sins. But do you realize when I faced that crossroads, it could have just been, well, I'm forgiven. He'll forgive me. I can jump right back into this and God will forgive me because it's what He does. Or I could apply what I know to be true now in the Scripture. It was for freedom that Jesus set me free, not for captivity. He didn't set me free so that I could be in captivity and just not suffer the consequences for it. He set me free so that I could be victorious over that and so that that wouldn't be victorious over me. We've got to remember. We've got to remember. We could awaken every day with that understanding. Good morning, sunshine. It was for freedom that Jesus Christ set me free. And the choices that I make today are going to be choices of victory and freedom. I'm not going to put back on a yoke of slavery. I'm going to walk in the fullness of freedom because that's why he set me free. It's a wonderful thing to say, and it's a wonderful thing to hear said, but sometimes things are easier said than done. So I want to share with you a passage of Scripture on how to be free. How to be free. You can take it down for your notes. John chapter 8. I want to read verses 31 and 32. How to be free. Now Jesus is speaking here and He's speaking to you and to me. He's speaking to us. And the Word says this. It says, Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him. Now I want to just stop right there. Because I think it's important to catch that. He's speaking to us. I wasn't there. This was some 2,000 years ago. And I'm not Jewish. But it says he's speaking to those Jews who believed in him. Believers. Jesus is talking to Christians right here. I'm a Christian. So he's talking to me. He's speaking to us. And here's what he says. Jesus was saying to those Jews who believed in him. 
If you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. That's the word of your king to you. He's giving a simple instruction. Because he will never take your will. He will never put you in subjection. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not subjects. We are under no bondage or obligation to serve him, but he has given us the right to choose to follow after him. That's what this passage is. It's Jesus speaking to you and to me, saying, hey, here's the key to freedom, to walking in freedom. Here's how to be free. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. You'll be disciples of mine and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Continuing in his word is a choice for each one of us. Every single day, we can decide to do things our way or his way. We can decide to do things the world's way or his way. But following Jesus is 100% a choice in any situation or any circumstance. No matter what, no matter how big, no matter how small. Following Jesus is a choice. And when we choose to follow Him, when we choose to continue in His Word, it opens the door for truth to take over in our lives. And that truth is liberating and results in freedom. So we know why Jesus set us free as we're remembering the work that He's done. Remember that as we remember that we've been purified and forgiven and justified, it opens the door for fruitfulness. As we consider the work that he's done, that he's liberated us so that we never have to be slaves again. And he's made a way for us to stay free. I love that. That he wouldn't just offer freedom and say, hey, you blew it last time. Here's a second chance. I hope you work it out this time because you're not getting another one. But that he would make us free for freedom's sake and then say, listen, there's a way you can keep this. Continue in my word. I'm not going to hide my word from you. I'm not going to make it hard. I'm going to make it easy. It's right there. Listen to it. Follow it. And as you do that, freedom will be the result. We need to remember those things. Now, I want to give you this from the Scripture, how to stay free. Why Jesus would set you free. how to get that freedom in your life, and then how to keep it, how to protect it, how to cherish it. It's a lifestyle. It's not something that you can just come and learn and memorize. It's something that's meant to transform how we live, the choices that we make, how we make those choices. I want to give you a passage of Scripture for your notes. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now remember, Jesus set us free for freedom's sake. And he told us we'll be be free if we continue in his word. Now I want to offer this passage to you, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where the Holy Ghost is, there is freedom. I love that passage. I love to read it forwards and read it backwards. 
I love that where there's freedom, there's the Spirit of the Lord. But the reason why where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, is because the Spirit of the Lord is doing something in you and in me. We just read a moment ago that if we wanted freedom in our life, it's going to require following Jesus. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. Continue in my word. And you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a reason why where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And it's because the Spirit of the Lord is constantly helping you to continue in the word of Jesus Christ. I'll give you a passage of scripture. John chapter 16, verse 8. If you want to hear Jesus describe the Holy Spirit and describe the role of the Holy Spirit, it's throughout the Scripture, but there's two chapters in John that I would encourage you to read in your own time. John chapter 14 and John chapter 16. But I told you before when we were looking at things we were going to find in the message, that we were going to find what the Holy Spirit does. We're going to find that in John chapter 16, verse 8. John chapter 16, verse 8. Now Jesus is speaking, and again, He's speaking to me and you. And He's talking about His crucifixion and resurrection. That He's physically not going to be present with the disciples for much longer. And everyone is freaking out about this. They don't really know how to handle it. They don't understand what's going on. They just know that Jesus has done amazing things and the thought of Him not being around is more than they can bear. And Jesus is responding to this despair that they're feeling when He says this. He says, I'm telling you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Whose advantage? Yes, yours, mine. It is to our advantage that He went away. And he goes on to explain why. Because if I don't go away, the Helper or the Holy Spirit won't be able to come to you. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. But if I go, I'll send Him to you. And He, when He comes, we're talking about the Holy Spirit, will do the following. So if you want to know what the Holy Spirit does, you're about to see three things right here that the Holy Spirit does. When the Holy Spirit comes, He will convict the world concerning sin. He will convict concerning righteousness. And He will convict concerning judgment. Those three things. In my life and in your life, we have the opportunity to have perfect conviction concerning all things sin, concerning all things righteous, and concerning judgment. And Jesus goes on to explain what these things are. He says concerning sin because of unbelief. Concerning righteousness because I'm with the Father. Now let me explain what that means. If Jesus is with the Father, that means He's not physically right here with you to give you direction. To say, hey buddy, you don't want to do that. That'll ruin your marriage. Stay away from that. But yet the Holy Spirit is present to say, hey buddy, you don't want to do that. That'll ruin your marriage. Stay away from that. And then concerning judgment. Because the ruler of this world, he's referring to Satan, has been, can you say has been? Has been, it's past tense. Has been judged. Has been judged. I've got a little news for you. He was found guilty, by the way. 
He's been sentenced, and it'll be carried out at the end of the book of Revelation. You can read all about it. The Holy Spirit's present in our lives to bring about conviction concerning those things. I can know what's right because of the Holy Spirit. I can be aware of what I need to do in a situation because of the Holy Spirit. I can know what's wrong because of the Holy Spirit. I can be aware that I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't touch that. I shouldn't give my eyes to that. I shouldn't give my ears to that. I shouldn't be involved in that because of the Holy Spirit. I can be aware of judgment because of the Holy Spirit, which means if I ever find myself just kicking myself and getting down and buying into lies and deceptions that I'm worthless and I'll never accomplish anything, I can be reminded by the Holy Spirit, hey, that liar's been judged and he is not telling you the truth. Let me tell you, son, you've got worth and you're wall-to-wall success if you'll just follow Jesus. We have access to those things. All because of the Holy Spirit. Now that's what he does, but you want to know how he does it? I mean, that's what he does. What does he do? Well, he teaches us and shows us the things that are right. He teaches us and shows us the things that are wrong. And he helps us to stay centered on who we are, who God is, and who the devil is. That's what he does. You want to know how he does it? I want to know how he does it. I'll give you a passage of scripture. John chapter 14 Verse 26. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. It opens up in verse 25 with Jesus saying, Hey, I'm talking to you right now because I'm standing right here. I'm talking to you right now because I'm standing right here. Now, in verse 26, he says, But when He comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Helper comes, whom the Father will send in My name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance everything that I've said to you. He will bring to your remembrance everything that I've said to you. Can you say remembrance? Remembrance. Your memory is very important. Your memory is crucial into hearing the conviction of the Holy Spirit concerning what's right and wrong, concerning who God is and who the devil is, concerning who you are. And I've heard a man by the name of Larry Titus, he said something that I thought was great. He said, it's pretty hard to remember things that you've never remembered in the first place. I want to say that again because it's kind of goofy, right? It's hard to remember things that you've never remembered in the first place. That's the reason why we need to be in the Word, to know what it is that Jesus says. So that in the moment of trial or tribulation, the Holy Spirit can bring it to our remembrance. It's important to have the Scripture in our hearts, to read it. Not for the purpose of ceremonial memorization, but so that it can be in there, so that it can come out. For the purpose of the Holy Spirit bringing to our remembrance what we need to know, when we need to know it, so that we can do what we're supposed to do. Now that's a Memorial Day message. To remember. And everything that Jesus has done for us is meant to be one victory after the next that's intended to be remembered. 
Some of you may realize, others may not, but I want to just tell you something. It's fact, it's true in the Scripture. The people of Israel, the the people that God took out of slavery and moved into the promised land, they had parties, celebrations, they call them feasts. Those feasts were times where they gave thanks to God and they they did things that were celebratory. They were like really big church services that involved lots of awesome food. Shouldn't have mentioned food because you're probably getting hungry right now. But there's something great about those celebrations. I mean, God commanded them, right? So despite popular opinion in the world, God's kind of a party animal. He wanted to have these parties, and he told people to have these parties. And then he gave them the reason why. He said, hey, to all the leaders that were present, he said, hey, listen, I want you guys to do this, and here's why. I want you to do this so that your kids will see it. So that your kids will see it and say, Dad, why do we do this? And you can tell your kids, son, Daddy wasn't always free. There was a time when Daddy had lots of problems, but God helped him. And he'll always help him. He'll always help you too. These parties were meant to be an opportunity to remember what God had done and then to share those things. How awesome is that? We're called to remember the victories that God's brought into our lives. And the moment we stop remembering them is the moment we begin to slip in our moral excellence and slip in our knowledge of God and slip in our self-control and slip in our perseverance and slip in our brotherly kindness and godliness and slip in our love until we're right back into the same bondage that we were in the first place. But God's called us to remember He's not only anointed our minds to remember, but He's given His Spirit to bring these things to our remembrance so that we can constantly stoke the fires of our memory to remember the wonderful things that God's done, that He has set us free, that we're no longer slaves, that we walk in liberty and freedom so that we can make choices, that He's given us a way to achieve freedom by continuing in His Word, And He hasn't hidden His Word from us, but rather He's given His Spirit to bring His Word to our mind right when we need it. God's called us to remember. And when we devote our lives to remembering, we see great things in our future. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at champschurch.com.